music of spiritual celebration as millions turn out to watch a series of masses by Pope Francis this week in Ecuador and Bolivia. We'll have the details on this edition of Latin Pulse. This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America, brought to you through the cooperation of the School of Communications at Webster University, the global university headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, and Link TV. And now, here's host, Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. We're back on our usual day this week after the Independence Day holiday in the U.S., and we have a special focus on Pope Francis and his trip to the Andean region of Latin America. But first, Sierra Hancock is away this week. Our special guest announcer is Guillermo Rodriguez. He has the latest on the Pope's trip and the rest of our weekly review of news from around Latin America. Pope Francis preached to millions who came to see him say Mass in Ecuador and Bolivia. His message on ecology struck the most controversial court in Ecuador, one of the world's top oil producers. He told an audience of civil society leaders in Quito that Ecuador needs to lead the way in preserving the Amazon. That area is one of the richest in diversity of species, species that are endemic, rare, or have little effective protection. It needs particular care because of its great importance to the world ecosystem. And that's where Ecuador, along with other countries that border the Amazon, have the job of teaching an internal ecology. Ecuador is a member of OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. President Rafael Correa has announced plans to develop parts of the Amazon in Ecuador for oil production, including the sensitive Yasuni Park region. The Pope's trip comes at a delicate time for Correa. Hundreds of thousands have poured into the streets to protest the president's policy in the months before the Pope's visit. The protesters have opposed new tax plans in the country. Indigenous groups have also led protests against the president's development plans. Although Francis met with indigenous groups in Ecuador and elsewhere during the trip, some indigenous leaders complained the Pope did not give them sufficient time to discuss their opposition to further oil development. Some indigenous leaders in Bolivia accused the government of keeping them off guest lists so they could not discuss issues with the Pope. We'll have more on the Pope's trip later in this newscast and also throughout this program. More complications this week regarding Donald Trump, a contender for the Republican nomination for president in the United States, and his insults regarding Mexican immigrants. This week, Trump used his Twitter account to broadcast a rationally charged message about the wife of Republican frontrunner Jeb Bush. Bush's wife is Mexican-American. Bush said he took personal offense at Trump's tactics. Trump, who co-owns the Miss Universe pageant, also faced fallout from Paulina Vega, the reigning Miss Universe who criticized the candidate for his comments about Mexicans. Trump said if she disagreed with him, she should give up her crown. Vega's home country of Colombia said it would not host the pageant and would not send a competitor. Mexico is leading a boycott of the pageant, and a handful of other countries in Latin America have joined the protest. But the controversy has pushed Trump into second place in polls in the United States. Latin American game developers have come up with an online game that both honors the Pope and criticizes the roads in Paraguay. The game is called Papa Road, and anyone can play it using an online browser. In the game, players control the Pope Mobile as it makes its way through the streets of Asunción, Paraguay's capital. 
It even includes key landmarks and scenery that Pope will likely see on his trip this weekend. The object of the game is to dodge all the potholes in the roads during the scenic trip. When players hit a pothole, an image of Paraguay's president Horacio Cartes appears, urging them to keep going. The game's developers say they made the game not only to memorialize the Pope's trip, but to also call attention to Paraguay's roads, which authorities only started patching last month in preparation for the Pope's visit. For Latin Popes, I am Guillermo Rodriguez. Thanks, Guillo. And now on to our special focus this week on Pope Francis and his second official trip to Latin America. As we record this program, the Pope is about to embark on the third leg of his trip, which will take him to Paraguay. But he's had a joyous week in both Ecuador and Bolivia, highlighting the conditions of the poor and discussing how the church can provide them both refuge and service. He held a series of open-air masses. In Ecuador, a country of 15 million, the masses drew about 1.7 million people, those figures from both the Vatican and the government. Likewise, in Bolivia, between 800,000 and a million people attended his mass in Santa Cruz. Estimates vary on the crowd's size. The Pope also met with Presidents Evo Morales of Bolivia and Rafael Correa of Ecuador. To begin our discussion of the Pope's visit, we turn to Reverend Joe Eldridge, the chaplain of American University. He joined us via long-distance line from Washington, D.C., early this week while the Pope was in Ecuador. The Pope has rebranded the Vatican. The Pope has revitalized, rejuvenated the image of the Catholic Church all over the world, but particularly in Latin America. But suffice it to say that his focus on the disparity between the rich and the poor, on the economic uh, injustice that uh, reigns over much of the region, harkens back, frankly, to the, the Medellin Conference of the Bishops in 1968, in which they made this uh, remarkable uh, statement that the, prefer- that the church should have a preferential option for the poor. And that shook the foundations of the Vatican at the time, and now the Pope seems to be echoing that theme as he lives humbly and simply and in every opportunity uh, highlights the, I think you could call it the sin of extravagant consumption in the face of such great poverty that defines the lives of so many people in, uh, in the region. So he's going to the kind of the smallest, poorest countries of Latin America, but which nevertheless are profoundly Catholic countries. And I think at the heart of it is this growing rivalry, you could call it that, with this Pentecostal explosion that has uh, shaken the Catholic Church uh, to its very foundation. I mean, certainly... Uh, the Catholic Church has never had such ferocious competition for, for church attendance. You are a member of the clergy representing the United Methodist Church, and you have worked as a Christian missionary in various parts of Latin America. I know from your personal story that the issues of poverty, equality, the environment, uh, are things that, that are part of also your mission as a spiritual person. I, I wonder why it has taken so long for the Catholic Church to listen to those bishops in Medellin back in 1968. I think it is a a fearful, rigid, 
bureaucracy that is more interested in preserving privilege and position than in responding in a pastoral way to the needs of the Catholic constituency in Latin America. I mean, that may be a very harsh characterization, but I think in some ways it is true. So then there is a lot of privilege that goes along with being the Catholic. Remember, it was not that many years ago that the Catholic Church was part of the government, and they have released that privilege status very slowly. And um, they enjoy, they, the, the Catholic hierarchy tends to enjoy its privileged position in, in, these, in these Catholic, predominantly Catholic, Catholic-majority countries. So when you say part of the government, not an official part of the government, but we know from the conquest onward that, that the church, the Catholic church, has been a, a very big part of the hierarchy of what ran these various countries in Latin America. Yeah. I think I think about it as a three-legged stool with the oligarchy, the military, and the church were the decision makers for these countries and they were in alliance. So into, so in his own way the the pope is a bit of a spiritual revolutionary. The pope is a wild card. This pope is presenting a different understanding of what it means to be in ministry and in mission and uh, with his uh, encyclical on the environment with his with his multiple comments about uh, the need for the economic system to be more gentle frankly toward those of uh, more meager resources I think he sees the church as the body of Christ and if you for example, in the, in the book of Philippians, it talks about Jesus pouring himself out, emptying himself, becoming a servant. And in Corinthians, it talks about Jesus being rich, became poor for our sakes. So I think that it's an incarnational understanding of the role of the church as the body of Christ. And I think this pope sees that and understands that and wants symbolically to transform the Catholic Church into the body of Christ, which means that it's a church that empties itself, a church that disestablishes itself, a church that becomes a church in service to the poor. And so that's that's revolutionary for a Catholic, for a pope, for goodness sake. So I think, I think his theology is incarnational theology, and I think that's what's driving his approach to the uh, papacy. I think that there are others who would like to um, change the focus of the trip for their own political reasons, as usual. And that's one of the reasons that the Pope did not go to his home country of Argentina, because it's an election year this year on this particular tour of Latin America. But the Ecuadorian government has been criticized for, for trying to use the Pope's image in its own way to say the Pope agrees with us about these particular policies. Uh, do you see this as just the natural fallout of a trip when you have someone as popular and as the Pope coming to a particular country? Well, everybody wants to be uh, in the presence of the Pope, photographed with the Pope, and that's for everybody, particularly political leaders. I'm not surprised that Correa would try to piggyback on the Pope's visit to give a boost to his own 
status, standing. So, you know, President Correa in Ecuador is eager to piggyback or to capitalize or to exploit <laughs> the, the the trip to because of the great popularity of this pope to be seen as in uh, alliance with and uh, advocating for policies aligned with the pope's pastoral statements. Pope is not going to be. He's not going to wrap himself, wrap his arms around Correa, but he will be articulating themes that the government, that this government, has uh, articulated. And he, and I don't think the, that Pope Francis is going to pick a fight with, or, or de- deliberately distance himself from any of the governments. He's just not going to embrace any of the governments. He has a mission. His mission is that is an ecclesiastical mission, a pastoral mission, not a political mission. If, if we could go off on a, a bit of a tangent here, um, I don't know whether this will come up at all in any strong way during the Pope's trip, but this is also the same week that we see someone in Colombia successfully petitioning the government there uh, to be euthanized. And so um, the very first case of euthanasia in Latin America, someone had throat cancer, 79 years old, in quite a bit of pain, and the Catholic Church, of course, had its reaction to that, saying if they're going to be forced to allow this new right that the courts in in Colombia have agreed to, then they may close many of their hospitals, and they run many of the hospitals in Colombia. I'm wondering how you see this, perhaps, being part of the discourse this week, this discussion of um, the right to life and also the right to die with dig- dignity. Ultimately, the Pope will back the the official position of the Vatican, which is that uh, euthanasia is uh, not in accord with Catholic teaching. However, we can never forget what the Pope said when asked about gays and lesbians. He said, who am I to judge? Well, that... <laughs> an interesting line the, for a Pope. Yeah, what a line for a pope. Well, I think that applies. I don't think the pope is going to say anything about euthanasia. But the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, he's trying to move the Catholic Church away from judgment toward mercy. Where it's going to go, I don't know, but I don't think he's going to talk about euthanasia on this trip. What haven't we talked about in regards to this trip that you think is important? Well, I think the I think uh <laughs> I mean I happen to be married to a Bolivian, and so the Bolivians are, are, are you know, animated, excited about the Pope going to La Paz. La Paz is, you know, 4,000 meters. So this is, which is indigenous, which is, it's, you know, 95% or 90% indigenous culture in El Alto. So that's going to be fascinating. He's going to draw a huge crowd in El Alto. And as you will everywhere. Reverend Joe Eldridge, the university chaplain at American University, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Professor Rockwell. Rick, thank you very much. I enjoyed the conversation. Democracy is synonymous with independence. Independence is synonymous with emancipation. Emancipation is synonymous with sovereignty. Sovereignty is synonymous with superiority. Superiority is synonymous with arrogance. 
Arrogance is synonymous with domination, and domination is synonymous with dictatorship. Dictatorship always finds its way. Amnesty International. Learn, indignate, act. Welcome back to Latin Pulse and our special focus on the latest trip of Pope Francis. As we heard earlier, the Pope's environmental message included a jab at Ecuador's development policies. And some critics have complained the government of Ecuador has tried to hijack the symbolism of the Pope's visit to support its political agenda, including building its own website and designing its own logos for the visit, which compete with the official archdiocese website and logos. The Pope's trip also hit political shoals in Bolivia after President Morales presented the Pope with a gift, a crucifix merged with the communist hammer and sickle symbol. The Pope admired the gift, but moments later returned it. We discuss many of these themes with Alex Wilde, a research fellow at American University's Center for Latin American and Latino Studies. He's also the editor of the forthcoming book, Religious Responses to Violence. We spoke to Wilde via Skype from Paris, France. There's no question in my mind that it is significant, particularly because it comes right after Laudato Si, this extremely important environmental encyclical. And when you ask yourself, he's going to Ecuador, Bolivia, and Paraguay, well, why those countries? Why would he pick those countries? And to my knowledge, he hasn't explicitly said uh, why he is. But one of the things that would strikes any Latin Americanist, of course, is that those are three of the poorest countries in Latin America, and certainly in South America. So it links up very much to that poverty side uh, of the Pope's agenda. Uh, it's been very much a part of what he cares about, the, the poor. And in this particular encyclical, the linkage between uh, envir- the environment and the poor. I'm wondering about uh, those countries as picks, too, when you consider the environment. Uh, Ecuador certainly has had its long bout with Chevron over uh, oil, Um, but even the leftist government there has been criticized when you think about um, what that government is is maybe developing Yasuni Park and um, Bolivia too, the Evo Morales government has been criticized about um, some of its environmental policies, even though it has tended to be more of a leftist government in in looking at the environment and, and linking the environment too to poverty. So um, it will be interesting to see how the Pope brings that particular line of of criticism to these countries or uses these countries as examples. Yes, I think that's right. I don't expect him to to comment in any detail on sort of particular features of the different countries. I think he feels on stronger ground trying to get people to step back from this process of development which is not examined in a moral or many times even in a human uh, lens. And he's trying, I think, will be trying to do that in all of these cases. I would say, you know, those three countries, to, to just add, Rick, to what you've already said, all three of those countries are countries not only with, with uh, environmental issues, which they certainly are, but they're all countries in which social conflicts are related to environmental issues. And I think, again, it's the combination of the social conflicts and the environmental issues that the Pope will be interested in addressing, because he feels that in those issues, many times, 
the voices of the poor, the voices of the disinherited, the voices of those who are left aside in the rush of a consumerism and development uh, need to be heard. Going back to some of the politics that, that may be mixing with the religion during this particular trip, both of the presidents of Ecuador and Bolivia can take some credit. They are on the left, uh, what some people call the new left in Latin America, but they certainly are sponsors of economic programs that, that have lifted their countries in, into a very much better space. Um, Bolivia, I believe, right now is going through its, its best economic period, perhaps, in its history. Yes, I think that's true, and it, it is interesting. I, I think what the, what the Pope will be primarily interested in here is not to give the answers, but to pose some of the questions and to say that it is important that these questions be debated. The case of Bolivia is a very interesting one, as you probably know. Uh, he is going to Bolivia at the uh, invitation of Evo Morales, with whom he has sp already spoken on two occasions. So this is, very, this is a very interesting kind of thing. He obviously, Morales obviously sees the Pope as any of these presidents see the Pope as a world figure. And of course, in some ways, they want to associate themselves with him and so forth. All of that is more or less obvious. What I think is very interesting in the case of Morales, and I'm not an expert on Bolivia, but is that on one hand, he comes from a culture uh, which speaks about Mother Earth. Right? It is part of indigenous religion and culture in the Altiplano of the Andes. And, you know, the very first paragraph in the new encyclical refers to Mother Earth. I mean, I'm not saying he's, you know, particularly making an allusion to that, but I think there is a commonality there at the level of ideas that's very important. On the other hand, um, Pope Francis is very well informed, and I suspect that he has a very good sense of the critics of the Bolivian development, um, and Bolivia is certainly still a country that has serious uh, issues related to development. And, you know, I think he will probably try to say, you know, these need to be taken into consideration too. But you're right. I mean, I do think, I think what else is a very interesting case, um, perhaps a little easier case than someone like Korea and Ecuador. I was struck by the fact that the, the government of Ecuador has actually set up a website about the Pope's visit, which is called uh, Papa Francisco in Ecuador, which has <laughs> raised some, some complications with the Ecuadorian Catholic Church, because they are claiming in a way, well, look, Papa Francisco is one of ours. I mean, we should have this. Uh, but you don't, but the government has taken the initiative on this, and it's very, very interesting. We haven't talked much here about Paraguay, uh, and Paraguay, a very different um, political structure than the other two countries here. Uh, I learned recently that Paraguay is is the most Catholic country by percentage in in Latin America, uh, even more so than Mexico. The case of Paraguay is very interesting. I agree with you. I think it's very hard looking at it not to think that part of the choice there was the choice of a pope from Argentina, a neighboring country. Um, he knows Paraguayans. He was the pope of the slums, of the Villas Miserias in Buenos Aires, that are full of Paraguayans. So he, 
I think he has a feeling at a human level for the for the Paraguayans. On the other hand, as you know, if there is any country uh, in all of Latin America that the Jesuits have a special tie to, it is Paraguay, where they, for several centuries during Spanish rule, had a direct uh, rule um, and by most accounts quite beneficial rule over the indigenous peoples of Paraguay. So I think that there is a there is a very uh, interesting tie there, and I think it's it's one of the reasons that it was chosen, probably. More generally, I think he's, he will be visiting on this trip three countries that hardly ever break, you know, the, the horizon in the U.S. media. I mean, you know, these are three countries. And in that sense, I think what he's trying to do is not draw attention to the countries per se, but to these broader issues that he thinks are important for the renewal of the church, and more specifically, probably, for humanity's uh, way of dealing with the environment. He's going to, of course, talk about the environment, as you said. Poverty, of course, which tends to be his number one priority. Any other topics that we think that we'll hear him ask these tough questions? Well, I think it's, it's hard to escape a little bit. And you're as familiar with this, and I'm sure many of, of your listeners are very familiar with the general sense of disenchantment and disillusionment in Latin America. Um, it's often summarized or focused through the issue of corruption. But this idea that somehow we've lost our way, we don't have much leadership, I think what he's going to be trying to do in some general way is to give a sense of moral leadership, or to put it slightly differently, to illuminate the moral dimensions of big public issues that people need to understand. He's, you know, I think that my general sense of him is that he's an extraordinarily thoughtful man, uh, as well as a, a very spiritual man, and I think he feels that these dimensions need to be part of our public life. You've mentioned his leadership and his thoughtfulness. He also has a tendency to be very genuine in a way that we haven't seen from from not only Catholic leaders, but I would say world leaders for a very long time. And in that way, we have the news that, that he, when he visits with the Bolivian government, may, may not just be sipping on coca leaf tea, but may also be chewing some coca leaves. Um, since you mentioned the indigenous connections and, and how those populations are still very present in the areas that he will be visiting, I, I wonder if this is not also a very intelligent nod to the, in, the indigenous heritage of these regions. Oh, yes. I, I'm sure it is. And I'm, I, there, this is a, a, a theme for him, but it's also been a theme for previous Hopes. There's no question. You mentioned uh, our forthcoming book, but we have, for example, a wonderful chapter looking at the way that uh, priests and nuns and lay workers at the local level have supported indigenous communities in their conflicts with large extractive corporations. His feeling for indigenous people is not simply a kind of abstract cultural appreciation. I think it is very much related to who they are today, the kinds of lives that they can have. One of his themes has been over and over. If the church is to be successful or more successful in Latin America, it has to meet people where they are. 
It has to meet them and try to understand them and embrace them as they are. Thanks so much, Alex Wilde, the editor of the forthcoming book, Religious Responses to Violence, and a research fellow at the Center for Latin American and Latino Studies at American University. Join us via Skype from Paris today on Latin Pulse. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Rick. If you want more from Alex Wilde about the Pope, you can check out the AULA blog this week for his essay about the Pope's trip. You can find the blog at AULAblog, all one word, dot net. That's AULAblog.net. Thanks for joining us for our special focus on the Pope's return to Latin America. If you'd like to send us your suggestions or comments, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud, or you may write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. If you're looking for earlier editions of Latin Pulse, we're available in various locations on the web, including iTunes, Facebook, and Flipboard. You can also find us in the Brazilian online game, Mini Mundos. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, dot org, and then slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org slash Latin Pulse. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For our entire team, guest announcer Guillermo Rodriguez and producer Jim Singer, I'm Rick Rockwell. Escucha nosotros vez. Gracias por su tiempo. Latin Pulse is produced at the School of Communications at Webster University, the global university, headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, with music copyright support through Webster University and Link TV. This program is copyright 2015 Las Rocas Productions.